Welcome to Stories Within Us. Today's conversation, I am back with artist and photographer Shannon Smith. In our last episode, Shannon and I discussed breaking cycles with parenting and reparenting ourselves. It was such an insightful conversation, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already. But today, Shannon and I are taking a fascinating dive, or at least I think it's fascinating, into ADHD and specifically how ADHD presents in girls and in us. Both Shannon and I are diagnosed with ADHD So how it presents in us as parents, as creatives, as women. Now, the really interesting thing here is that if you want to learn more about ADHD, maybe you yourself are diagnosed with it or a friend, loved one, family member has it, listen not only to what Shannon and I say, but how we say it. So early on, Shannon speaks about masking and how neurodivergent folks tend to mask. We do this to fit in. Shannon says, for girls especially, even if we're not taught about misogyny, we know that conforming means safety, so we wear these things called masks. Well, in this conversation, our masks come off. It doesn't usually happen when I do a podcast episode, so this is a new experience for me. Shannon and I both discuss things that we haven't shared publicly because, first of all, I was learning in real time here. Like, as Shannon was talking and saying things, I was having my own discoveries about myself and why I do these things the way I do. And then secondly, We share these things because I think it's important for us to talk about its impact on our lives, our parenting, and work. There historically has been almost no data on ADHD as it applies to gendered situations, so how it presents in girls and in women. So another reason why this is such an important conversation. So let's dive in to today's talk on ADHD and women and girls with artist and photographer, Shannon Smith. Okay, so Shannon, can we talk for a minute about, or longer? (laughs) I have a feeling it's going to be longer. (laughs) We're going to talk for a while about ADHD. Can I share the story where I first met you on a Zoom conversation and we told each other we had ADHD? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you remember? No, that's why. Maybe you have to tell me it again too. Excellent. Excellent. So I was trying my hardest to be professional. So we had, just for those listening, we had a shoot, a photo shoot scheduled. And I was doing the kind of before talk through with Shannon. And so you were asking. So I got to know more about you and a consult. That's a professional way. Yeah. Consultation, those professional words. So I was doing a consultation, trying to look professional. And you asked a very straightforward question. It was like, what is your goal for the photo shoot? Or it might've been, how do you want to show up? And I remember in that minute, and I don't know if you get this, this might be my own weird thing, but it's almost like my brain circuits are short circuiting. And so you said, how do you want to show up for your photo shoot? And what usually happens is words just start flashing. Power, strength, creative, writer, and then smoke, like I can see it. And this is all happening within 
five seconds. I just froze. So you were seeing none of this. This was all my internal happening. And then I think I just blurted out, I have ADHD. (laughs) And then you looked at me and said, so do I. And I was like, oh, this can work. This can work. So that was kind of my first experience. And I was I was surprised because I'm 44. I was diagnosed in early elementary school. And it's only probably in the last, I'd say three years or so that I'm introducing myself and I'm just getting that out there straight off the bat, even in professional settings. So Let's talk. <laughs> I feel like there's, I feel so like much there's. And in typical ADHD behavior, you probably kept that memory of us talking in your brain and locked on it and let it cycle for 1200 times where I'm like, I don't even remember it. I've hypervigilated. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. That hyper focus. I don't know where my keys are. I don't know what day of the week it is, but yes, I do. I have definitely hyper focused on that, that memory. And so I thought we could just have a conversation how it's a challenge as parents, as creatives, and as women or non-binary individuals, I would like to speak a little bit to the gendered element to it as well. It hasn't been studied a lot. I think the first... But they're coming out. They're coming out. The first specific gendered study was in 2009. That's recently. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience with ADHD? And I'm curious as to how specifically it interacts with your parenting and with your artistic work? Yeah. First off, like, I don't know how I went my entire life. Nobody questioned that I was ADHD or like something was wrong with me. Or not wrong with me, but like I was different. I know that we've always looked at boys as having ADHD and being hyperactive, but I don't know how this wasn't missed. Like anybody listening to us speak would be like, boy, this, this woman's chatty. Um, (laughs) she talks a lot. And I mean, I was ingrained with shame my entire life of you can quit talking now. And so I dealt with a lot of shame around that and always apologizing for talking too much. And, and yeah. We had a break and I even said that <laughs> to you. I'm like, sorry, I'm talking a lot. Like it's it's such an ingrained foundation in me. So it's alarming to me that how come nobody around me saw me as different? I think that what you experienced is not you. It is very unique to you and specific to you, but this is a larger societal it thing. It's not. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, I think that like that's exactly it, girls in ADHD are yeah, underdiagnosed yeah. heavily. 100%. As we're interrupting ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you more about ADHD. <laughs> like, I'm so excited about like, I do all the info dumping? Okay, I'm taping my mouth shut and I'm an introvert. With inattentive ADHD. So yeah, it shocks me always when you say you're ADHD because you are an introvert and you are so eloquent with what you say and you can be quiet where I'm like, I just want to interrupt you and I just need to tell you the thing. But, but this is exactly it is that girls and you said this earlier, girls are taught to smile and be pretty and be quiet and kids are supposed to be seen, not heard. And so girls in particular, they adopt that behavior and, and try to conform. And, and for girls, especially, even if we're not taught about misogyny, we know that conforming means safety. 
So we wear these things called masks. And if people don't know what a mask is for people who are neurotypical and quote unquote normal people, (laughs) normal thinking, people wear masks so that they can belong in society so that I can pull off being a neurotypical with you. And then it's tiring. It is draining. Exhausting. Beyond. And so most, any parent that's out there, your child is studious and conforming in school and they know that they have to be behave or else they get detention or the teacher will talk to them or the principal will come in. And, and so they learn very early. And my child's only in grade two. He already knows that I have to be a good boy in school and I have to sit there, feet on the floor, hands on desk, you know, crisscross applesauce. And so we ingrain that. And then they come home and they're like, all the meltdown, right? Because they've been holding it in all day. And then as parents were very short fused at the end of the day, anyways, we're tired, whatever. And, and so this is exactly how neurotypicals deal every interaction and every day of their entire lives is this mask of conformity. And then at the end of the day, we can take it off and we become blobs, like a a little puddle of overstimulation and over having to conform. I call it blobbing on the couch. Um, (laughs) Nobody talked to me. I'm going to zone out and I'm going to dissociate for my entire life. Can I interrupt? Yeah. I knew there'd be insights. I always thought it was an introverted thing that I would come home after a day of teaching. I would, it wouldn't, the couch was not enough. That is not enough shelter and protection from the outside world. So this, this happened when I lived by myself. I would go in my bedroom, shut the door. I don't know who I'm shutting the door in the bedroom, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I needed that. And then I would go under the covers and I've always had down covers because they, I guess the protection and I would just pull them over my head and I needed like an hour. Yeah. And I'm wondering now how much of that Yes, is introverted, but I know a lot of introverts. That was overstimulation. Do not, that's overstimulation. Yeah, and, like um, literally putting, yeah. putting a block over, like think of somebody with migraine, right? Like they have a migraine, so they want the whole world to be dark and black and quiet, right? So, I mean, it's very similar to somebody who's overstimulated, a neurotypical who's overstimulated. Same, same. I do want to just kind of do a quick shout out to there's a TED talk, Martha Bernard Ray. She talks about ADHD in girls and women. And I watched this, oh, six days ago, I think. And she said things, Shannon, that I was like, I have never been able to describe it. And one thing she said, and it reminded me of the masking, is she says, Attention deficit is an incorrect label. First of all, it is is not attention deficit, but she talks about how we can be simultaneously, and this happens frequently, most parts of my waking life, overstimulated and understimulated. So I think of like staff meetings. Mm -hmm. And I remember if I was a five-year-old in a staff meeting that hadn't been conditioned yet, I would be flinging myself across the table, like having a full meltdown. But I was like an Ace Ventura like moment in a boardroom Mm -hmm. or like liar, liar or something, right? Like, you know, he's acting all dramatic. Like I know exactly what you're, I would be that, but like the steam would be coming out of my head. Like I used to bring like I had to bring like a whole stack, like a principal once laughed at me. I had like Mensa puzzles. I'm not that smart, but I was like, I've got to do something. I cannot sit here for two hours. And and I literally will be having a conversation with someone and be like, blink, nod your head, smile, yes. 
stop staring because I have to stare at lips. Yes, I don't know. Oh, very processing. <laughs> yep. I have to stare at lips so I can. Well, for me, it's fo- like so I don't lose focus. I look up, I'm like, oh, there's a spot on my ceiling. So I will yes. literally be squinting yes. at a person, frowning, staring at their lips, just yes. and, and in my head, I'm like, focus. Literally what I'm doing right focus. now. Focus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it is absolutely draining. And right now this is an engaging conversation. Yes. So this is easy. But if you were talking about boundary lines of school districts, or if you were talking about times right. of busing, I would be having to focus and then there would be an additional mental drain, but then that overstimulation. So I thought she did it really well. There's that understimulation and overstimulation simultaneously. I think like there's this, like, there's always the meme of like how many like men have one tab open. Like this is a stereotype by the way, but there's a meme that's like men have one internet tab open and women have 99 all same, so simultaneously looking at every single tab at the same moment. I think that is a representation of underdiagnosed ADHD women. But it the is- tabs are all making noises and they're moving. Like it, I think 90 tabs open is almost too simplistic. They're moving yeah. and they're making noises and they're yelling at you in there- your head at the same time. There is, you mentioned the TED Talk and and so I'm going to talk about TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> There is ADHD TikTok. That is a whole sector of ADHD, um, of TikTok. I mean, there is a woman, Katie Osaurus. I'll, I'll give you her link after. She is a somebody who hyper-focuses on ADHD and gives a voice to women. And then there's also like 8D music, and that's a binaural beat. So you hear it in one ear, you hear it in the other. It's the way that they record it. There is also this one where they have like three songs playing at the same time. And they're like, if you can sing here and listen to all three songs at the same time and very different songs, like one's an Eminem song and one's like a, a like Shania Twain song and one's something else totally different. So they, they do not relate. And they're like, if you can do all three, you might be neurotypical. I don't think it started out as that. It was just like this funny thing, but like ADHD TikTok, like grasped onto that. And they were like, I can hear all three and I'm singing all three at the same time. Like that is literally our life. We can be talking about one thing and and I'm thinking about the 12 other tasks. And at the end of the day, when my husband's talking to me about his day, I'm interested in it. I don't want to be not interested, but I'm also thinking and processing what Lisa and I talked about and how could I have done that better? And, you know, and then also like, what is the other thing that my child needs? And then what is the plan for tomorrow? And, and oh, what about that shoot? And oh, you have to edit that. Did you answer that, that client? And And I think it's told to us as women that we have to have this mental load of all of these things that have, that we do have to know and we have to carry at all times. I think that is a very, very stereotypical female held place in a household where they are caregivers for everybody and having to hold all these notes and all these things. And yet the husband gets told what the to-do list is or like, you know, that thing. And A, that's very taxing, um, having that mental load. But I'm like, if you are thinking of all those, then you're ADHD. One thing that makes sense, and, and, and it was mentioned in the the TED Talk, Martha Bernard Ray mentioned in her TED Talk. And it makes sense because I've known so many women that around this age, like a little bit after post children, 
have been diagnosed with ADHD. And she says specifically, (laughs) she says specifically that little girls are told to mask. Because mm-hmm. as it's what you said, she says, and it's layered ADHD for girls is layered with shame. So we're yes. supposed to sit still. We're not supposed to interrupt. We're not supposed to blurt out. We're supposed to be good listeners. And she says, so they hide it and they hide it and they hide it until they can't hide it anymore. And for her, it was, I think she was 39. And so yeah. when you think about on a good day, on a good day, there's nothing in the agenda. We have Eminem, Shania Twain, you know, three different pieces of music playing in our mind. That's with nothing going on. And then we have a career and then we have kids. And then we have the 17.5 additional hours of unpaid work we're supposed to do running the household. And any neurotypical mom has, that's why I said, I feel like most women have 90 tabs open at any given day. But I think that for but those they're like with- a linear, like they're, they're sorted out and they're planned. And those women know like, yeah. da, 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 da. where ADHD is like, here's all the things and we're not going to do the list and it's not scattered and it, or it's not organized. We're just going to throw it all in that basket. I think that that's, that is why so many women at that point, going back to, they hide it and they mask it and they hide it and they mask it. They show up at their doctor saying, what in the hell is going on? I can't do this anymore. And for me, it was interesting. So I've never taken medication, although I am seriously having the conversations because it is, it is because I am expected as a mom and as a woman to have all the tabs open and I'm finding it challenging. On a personal note, I don't know how you can be an author, a mom, run your household and do a podcast and not be medicated. I would, (laughs) you must have amazing tools and skills. Thank you. And I realize I do. I realize that a lot of things in my life are not typical until friends come over and comment Mm -hmm. on them. Yeah, Um, that's what happened to me. (laughs) But I'll give you an example because it's probably the the opposite. But I will say, first of all, ADHD, let's go back to gender. We're going to tie it together. Like gender, like there is a spectrum. So you can have moderate, you can have mild, you can have the whole spectrum. So I am low on the spectrum. And you can have ADHD and autism together. That is right. a combination as well. A- anxiety and depression tend to coexist. So I will, this is yes. as someone who has experienced it as someone whose immediate family members have had it and who has grown up in households with ADHD individuals. I will also say, please, if you don't have it, when you're feeling you know, like you have a lack of attention, please don't say, oh, that was an ADHD moment. Yeah, because that's it is dismissive. Yeah, I, I mean, triggering because I'm like, oof, ADHD, it is, it is. Okay, spectrum, all different types. Often they're co-linked with other. There's like mental- our um, rejection sensitivity disorder. There is like not being able to regulate your emotions. There is, oh, what is the acronym? PTA, which is new to me. Again, I hyper-focused on all this. Can you tell? When I was diagnosed as an adult, I wasn't like you and, and diagnosed when I was young. So this has been a learning experience for me. And so there is all of these different things and there's assessments that you can take. I take it and I answer like, oh God, like it was like 300 questions. It was intense, but it gave me a pie chart, circled pie chart of like, this is where your ADHD lines up. And if you take it and I take it, we'll be different because it is everybody's experiences and everybody's everything is different. Can I share an example of a coping mechanism? Well, I think I showed you my, I think it was four to do lists. 
So I you do have four very well thought out calendars. Yeah, I have. I was showing Shannon before we aired. I have a monthly. I have a year long with my professional, a monthly, a weekly, and every day I have a daily. Like I have to know or else it's anxiety inducing. But another one is our house is super minimalistic. I once had a friend come and visit and she's like, oh, have you moved in recently? And I was like, we've lived here for seven years. But if there is on the counter, like if there's a fork, a cup of water, a napkin on the counter, every time I walk by it, my brain goes fork, water, napkin. Fork and I can walk by it 20 times because we have an open concept house and it fork water. So like countertops have to be cleaned or my brain like can't handle it. But having said that, like when I make breakfast in the morning for my kids, and I don't know if you do this, I will have probably six knives out, maybe seven because I get a knife out and I forget and I get another knife out. I forget. I get another knife and then I have to spend 30 minutes cleaning up after breakfast. So it's exhausting. And even, and even <laughs> your, your approach of like, okay, these are my triggers. So I need a minimalistic house so that I can keep things organized. And so I'm not overwhelmed. I'm on the other side and you can probably see this in my work is that I'm scattered. I will walk by that fork, knife and spoon and pretend it's not there. I will recognize it's there, but I will walk right over it if it was on the floor. Like, <laughs> which is another aspect of ADHD is, and, and then some of us are hoarders and some of us are like, there's, there's so many, again, it represents in so many different ways. And this is why I think people think that what they are going through is normal. And can I tell you the story of how I'm, and I stopped myself and I'm interrupting myself. Can I tell you how I knew that, how I was enlightened about how I had ADHD? Absolutely. This is a hilarious story. So I didn't know. And my friend, my bestie, um, was talking. We Zoom. She's not in Calgary. And so we we worked every single day, both photographers. When we had office days, we worked together all day on Zoom, kind of like we are now, which is also very funny, an ADHD tactic on working. It's called body doubling, but I had no idea. And I just enjoyed, I thought, talking to her and brainstorming and, and doing those things. And I work so efficiently. She was talking about her, something with her neurotypical. She has a couple of things. And, and I said, I'm not diminishing what you're saying. I'm asking a genuine question. Doesn't everybody think that way? And she goes, no. And wheels were spinning and I did a frown. And, but I think that way. And she was like, mm-hmm. And I was like, I think that way and you're seeing your neurotypical symptom of what you have you you think that way doesn't everybody then and she goes mm and she she knows like she's already like five she diagnosed you, know, you years ago yeah. yeah yeah and so I'm like this is an intense spinning wheel no really are you saying I'm neurodivergent And it was like this light bulb that like I, everybody in the world thought like me. And now it makes sense. Like no wonder I got frustrated when people couldn't jump from A to Z and then back to C and then to M and why people couldn't see the big picture that I was trying to present to them because they literally didn't think like me, but I thought they did. So I was getting frustrated my entire, like as my adulthood, you were saying like most women after the children are, are diagnosed because they get to this breakdown point. It also gets worse because of hormones and they're very tied to hormones and, and we get worse when we have our menstrual cycle and, and things like that. So every day is a, who knows what's going to happen. But it was an enlightening moment when, when I was like, whoa, 
I didn't know this. And then I spent two years like investigating, like, is, am I really? And then I, it took me three months to make the appointment to the doctor and, and I should have done the quiz there that they do. It's very basic. And then I went home because they didn't want me to wait there. And then it took me three months to, I went home, did it very studiously in one minute. And then it took me three months to make the appointment to, to tell them like, this is all very ADHD typical behavior. Appointments are hard for us. Oh, and so, yeah. right. Like, yeah. And we're very spontaneous people and you have these wonderful agendas and a a year planned out. I feel like I need to say that make an appointment has been on my monthly plan now for six months. So I just keep (laughs) moving it. I can write a book, but making an appointment is like torture. So I don't understand that, but I have a feeling it's linked to, yeah. It 100% is. I drive my husband nuts every day. So it's really funny. Like even this week, I have messed up three appointments for my family, not not for business because I hyper-focus on my business. Tuesday, I thought my child had a class after school. He did not. I showed up. I was 24 hours early. <laughs> so then I thought Wednesday was parent-teacher group night. So I canceled his class that night. It was not. I found out last night when I showed up to school. And then at school, they told me that they have Friday off had no idea. And they told me that I didn't have to be there all night. And I was like, what do you mean? That's Thursday. That's Thursday. I was like, well, I'm not doing that. I have a class for my child. So this morning, my colleague said, my child said after two mistakes now, three mistakes of my schedule, he said, are you sure that I have class today or, or, or do you need to check? So he's like starting to adopt all of my, like he knows. Right. And I, I don't apologize for that anymore. It's just literally how my brain is. And, and now I also have long COVID and that is, similarities with ADHD. And when I explain my long COVID, a lot of people with ADHD will be like, well, I'm like, no, no, it is different. Mm. It feels different. I know that. So it's it's just a a big fun ball of wax. I have no idea what's happening every day. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk for just a minute because I I feel like there are some very strong aspects of ADHD. And in fact, I want to do a like a gracious shout out to Rick Rorden, who wrote a whole series, Greek mythology, but all the kids who were demigods were neuroatypical, neurodivergent. Yeah. So, and he, he wrote it for his kid. And I thought that was so cool because there are some really great aspects. And just a shallow one is that when teaching for a long time, you know, when one kid has a question and then another kid has a question, like I was able to just jump, 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 jump. Like there are some, so can you talk to us a little bit about how maybe in positive ways it intersects with your creativity? I think ADHD is a super gift. Like I really do. I, um, I feel like a superhero most of the time and society, anything that's not conforming normal, whatever is that it's considered negative. And, and I really don't, I don't, I don't think of myself as a being as a negative person. I don't think my brain is negative. I don't think it's bad. I think it's a super gift. And I think that I was probably the one that was awake all night in a tribal setting way back long ago where I, and this has happened many times, jumping into emergency situations and around my studio and in life is like, I was probably keeping everybody awake, telling stories and being very chatty and making sure everybody was was awake and watching. And then an emergency happened and I probably like jumped up and was like, we got to do all this and you grab that and you grab that. And I like took charge because that is a very ADHD trait is that we 
we usually don't want to jump into things like going to a networking, uh, business networking thing. Like I would, like my whole body, just like, I don't want to be in a room of people that, that that's, that, that's a lot. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself in that situation. But if there's a social justice thing or I see an emergency, like I will put myself, my needs, even as an extrovert, I will put all of my needs that I don't want to do ahead because this is the thing. And I jump into action. I think it's a very ADHD trait. And I think that's a super gift. I was probably evolutionized from way back when to be who I am today. And, and we all need these different parts of who we are to make the society that we have. So when I was diagnosed and I was learning all of these different traits of ADHD, it took the way the shame that I had on who I was as a person. I was always told, you talk too much, you, but you're not enough. You, you're not organized enough, but you, whatever it is. And, and then all of a sudden I was like, I don't need to own that. That was your shit. That was a you problem. That was not a me problem. I don't need to hold that shame for you and for society against me. And so I think that's the really cool part. When you were saying like, when you were a teacher, you could adapt to the different things that your students were saying. I mean, when I come into a, a session and now I have to, I'm going to unmask and I'm going to tell secrets, but <laughs> it's like everyone seems to think that I have a plan. Every single client thinks I have a plan. And especially you seem my- like you have a plan. I thought you had a plan. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and especially for my introverts and for my, my very atypical people is that I have to present that I do, but I, um, but I usually don't, what I work off of is energy. I am very empathetic and trauma-based, but also very, um, spiritual based is that I, I can feel your energy. I can feel your emotions. I, I can watch little nuances that you're doing that I know if you're uncomfortable or not, I, I need to know where I need to go. And, and I, and I ask questions before a session and and you know that of all of those, those little things and then I talk and and I'm here and I'm there and I'm floating around because I can't do small talk either <laughs> it kills me so so I learn about a person through their interactions with the hair and makeup artist and all those things and then I'm I'm kind of developing the plan but not like fully and then we get into the situation and and Lisa I was having you do things and I wanted to provoke stuff from you. I'm, I'm a provoker. So, and I think that's what makes me different as a photographer is yes, I have all these, the rules of photography and, and, you know, the golden, the golden rules and, and how you're supposed to pose someone with the do's and don'ts and all that. And when I'm working with someone, I, I really am dealing with the emotions and, and I'm, I'm looking to pull stuff from you that is authentically you. And because this is such a safe space and because I, I literally, Every aspect to how I've set up my studio, including where my desk is, how my desk is set up, like where I put things is so that this is a safe place, whether you know it or not. And so what I allow people to take off those masks and all those things that, that they're supposed to be doing and then outside in the world. And then I, I tap into their energy and I read that and I'm, I'm reading those nuances. And, and from there is where I build what I'm doing with the session. I get to experience what most people don't show sometimes even their best friend. 
or their partner and um, these aspects of themselves. And that I think is really magical about what I do, but it also allows me to think on my feet and to, um, if somebody's like, I was thinking like, can we do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like um, my ADHD, I'm, I'm very open to that collaborative feel. It's, this is not the Shannon show. This is a collaborative feel in a session. If I don't feel comfortable saying something, then I also want to be able to say that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. You know, whatever it is. When you had posted your first photos from your session on your Instagram, you were like, Shannon really truly does capture your soul and your essence of who you are. I think that's because of my ADHD gifts is that I can do all of those. That's the reason why I reached out to you. You, I would see a picture you had done of one individual and a picture of a different individual. And I'm going to try to get this right. I'm going to try to say it articulately. Yeah. There, there is definitely a Shannon Smith element that carries over into all that you do. But what was so unique is that, you know, the first individual you could see, like you, and I said, I use that. You can see their soul. Like you could see this lightness to it and this joy to it. And then the second individual might've had a much more heavier, a serious tone to it. And I was looking at that and I noticed that. I actually thought like, wow, everyone's hand is not placed at the same area. And coming out of COVID, like I was in a private space Mm -hmm. and loving it. I did not particularly want to have my picture taken. You know, I was just, I cut my hair and my hair was long on the website and now I lost, you know, 12 inches of hair. So I figured I needed new, new pictures, but I was terrified. And I told you, like, I cried before the session. I cried during the session. That is not Shannon's fault. You put on an amazing playlist that brought me back to like 1980s Mississippi. And I was like, so nostalgic. But it was such a safe space. And I think I definitely got the in tune, the in tuneness and you provoking, right? Because you would ask questions. And I'd be like, I would feel so much emotion. And they were, they, and and you were so scared too. Cause I, I needed to get past that fear for you. So I was putting you in your element. Remember I was was having you write in your book. I'm like, I want you to write. You told me, yeah. What, what do you write your dreams? And yeah. Yeah. And so I was, I really wanted to provoke you so that you could get out of the intellectual part of your brain and just feel right. And, and not everybody needs that. Maybe somebody else needs somebody else, something else. Right. And I think that's just so important. I think that's, that's an important aspect to just recognize that we're all different. Sorry. Yeah. Like going back to it, I just, I want, so if you're, you're listening, like there are some magical elements to ADHD. And one thing I was thinking of is when you were talking about your story and you were like, I felt like I needed to take pictures. So I told my husband to buy a camera and then I launched a business. (laughs) That (laughs) is the ADHD because it's the same with me with a story. There's a story I am still working on, still editing. We're going into year three. And when people say like, how do you have the discipline to write? It feels discipline is not the word. Like no. that, that hyper focus. It's like, I feel like a dog when they like sink their teeth into something and they don't let go of it. Like the really nice leather mm-hmm. slipper and they're just not letting go of it. That part of ADHD shows up for me in, in the planning process and the drafting process. And it's mm-hmm. it's interesting because I was diagnosed young, but then you forget, like I haven't spent 44 years researching it. So when I was 
in the doctor's office and he gave me the checklist and it was almost offensive. It was the same. It's such a basic. It is basic. It is absolutely. I'm like, I went through a two day psych ed assessment previously and now they're like, here's a checklist. But it's almost offensive in that what you were saying, I'm like, well, this is just normal. Like, isn't everyone this way? But one thing it said, and I don't think it's talked about enough, is that when there is a challenging or difficult task, I see the image of the dog sinking their teeth into the slipper. Like, I'm not letting go of this. I am going to get up at four in the morning. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to dream about it. But when the task becomes easy, like making a doctor's appointment, you completely lose interest. And it was interesting because City Hall was written most of it in 2019. So I had two small kids working full time and wrote this book. And then COVID hit and all the drafting was done. I had someone copy edit it. I mean, it was ready to go, Shannon. And it sat in a file cabinet for a year because the hard part was done. And then I published it in 2021. And I saw that that's not normal. Like I recognize most people when faced with a really complex, challenging tasks tend to feel a little intimidated or, oh, and we're, we're like, bring it on, you know? Yeah. And then when it gets to the end, when it's like, you have some very light editing you need to do and you can publish it, it sits for a year because that's boring. Like I was able to recognize like, this is not, this is not how regular humans in society work. Thank For God. me, it's the post office. Like, I will write the letter. I will find your address. I will, like, I'll do all the things to make this really pretty. To drop it off at the post office will never happen. Yeah. My good friend's box for her birthday might have been sitting on the floor of my office for two weeks before I, yeah. yeah the, like it's presents thing. wrapped, presents bought, box wrapped, box addressed, and then it sits for two weeks. Because yeah. my husband doesn't, does not. He's like, it will take you five minutes to go to the post office. Mine too. Yeah. I'm married to him for a reason, obviously, but yes, (laughs) I literally drive him nuts every single day because of these things. But, but that's the magic of us. That's, that is a super gift. I think that's a beautiful thing that needs to be more incorporated in the world. We need, we need fairness. We need equality. We need, we need social justice work. And, and so again, like if you look at what people do for a living, I'm just like, yeah, we have so much more ADHD and, and atypical people. And and as you give voice to your ADHD, you you said it proudly and you said, like, now I'm introducing myself with it. I always introduce myself with it. I, a, as a warning to anybody around me, but to release the shame for myself if somebody thinks I'm being quirky. I'm always known as quirky. I'm always known as quirky. And, <laughs> and now I embrace it. I'm like, okay, I'm quirky. And I think that the more that we normalize it, the more that other people can look around and a have acceptance for people that are that are neurodivergent, but also there's people like even new moms at my school drop off that are like, I'm starting to think I'm ADHD. This literally came up yesterday. I'm like, <laughs> you might be. <laughs> so the more that we talk about this, and the more that that mm. female professional um, female or anyone female, but I think. Yes, I said professional because I, I definitely feel the masking happening in professional situations, especially. I feel like my friends that have known me for ages, but you know, I can have this job and be successful at it and be competent and have ADHD, right? Yeah. yeah. I always tell everybody, like, as I'm floundering through a session, I'm like, I'm a professional, just in case you didn't know. And they always laugh. They're like, I've seen your work. I know you are. Because I, I'm always floundering. I, I got a billion 
I, I mean, I even a couple of times with you, I just stare at you and I'm like, I got a billion ideas. I have to, I have to nail it down one, right? Like, and you were saying like when you're into the juicy parts, the dopamine hits of creating a story and writing it all out and, and planning it, that is what we live for. We live for those passionate moments, those things that, that strive us. And it's, that's not work. That, that is such a joy. That is a place that I, I want to reside. I do want to wrap up this amazing conversation by maybe bringing it all together by saying, let's not parent the creativity or the neurodivergentness out of each other or our kids. I think like we talked in our earlier discussion about letting our kids be creative and letting our kids be artists and letting our kids love themselves and how not to parent that out and how it's hard. And I think the same if we do you have individuals in our life, right? Anyone, friends, and let's not require the mask go on. Let's let each other and let's let ourselves be more. I'm going to keep six knives on the counter next time I have six knives out. Like I'm always like apologizing. There are 22 glasses of water in our house at any time because I go in a room and forget I had water. And, you know, yeah. it's like at some point it's like, this is who I am. And I remember my aunt once saying like these parts of you that you're trying to hide are the most beautiful parts. And so. Yes. When you have children and when you have people in your life, you're supposed to unconditionally love them, love them from their good, love them for their, for their quirkiness, love them for all these things. And, and you're not supposed to make people feel bad for being themselves. And so having that compassion for others is something we also have to teach ourselves to have for ourselves, whether it's our body, whether it's our, our self-foundations, whether it's neurodivergent, like diversity is really important and beautiful. And this is what makes the rainbows, the, the colorfulness, the different perspectives, the wonderful debates that we can have. And we're losing that as we lose all the color in the world. The more that we can normalize that there's all this beautiful diversity of going to Instagram and seeing diverse bodies and, and seeing people of all different ages. And the more that we can accept the gifts and the beautifulness of yourself and of the world. And that is just, what a beautiful act. What a beautiful gift to give other people and yourself is to just love yourself unconditionally. So I was, I was really excited to do this with you, Shannon. I do this with all the guests on Stories Within Us. Um, as part of Stories Within Us, I ask each guest to submit a picture, a snapshot of them that was a moment in time that sparked connection, healing, disruption, challenge, or change. Can you talk to us about the picture that you have shared with us? So this is a picture that I have, I've shared many times on social media, and I have it in a 24 by 36 format in my studio here. I used to have it in my home above my office. This is a photo of me completely naked on gold sheets on a bed. There's gold things around us, but it's very dark in the background. I'm actually like, everything's pretty shadowed except for me. And it is a side profile. I have my leg out. I am bending, grabbing my leg. I'm looking out very confidently, straightforward. I don't know what's there, but something. And you see my stomach rolls and you see, not my full stomach because my leg is in the way, but you see my beautiful rolls. I take every photo, usually when I feel like shit, 
And it was, I was feeling like shit. I have been dealing with grieving my mom, the loss of my mom while she's still alive. She has stage four cancer. And so that year was really hard. So I was just feeling a lot of emotions really strongly and I was feeling like shit. And I didn't know what was going to happen with my business at the time and which is common. And, uh, and I was like, screw it today. I'm going to sit on this bed and I want to feel my power. I have everybody else feel their power. I want to feel my power today. And I want to feel my power in a way that is this changing body. And if you deal with grief, whether someone's gone or with you is that your your body as always is a representation of your mental well-being it grief holds on to you very tightly and my body was changing and I'm, I was totally okay with that but I needed to see myself represented in my then size 20 body where I appreciated it again because I was suddenly not appreciating it because I was feeling the tangibility of the grief and my mental well-being that my body represented and this isn't for all aspects of being plus size, by the way, this was this moment in time, very specific. So I did this pose. And at the end, I was like, I'm a queen. I am like, I am powerful. And I, I wish I would put a tiara on. I didn't have one at the time, but I feel very queen-like in that. And I see beauty in every aspect of my roles and my stretch marks and all those things. And, and if you see my photos, like this isn't an unusual thing that you see in my photos, being a body image boudoir photographer. But in this particular moment, it meant so much to me. So I have that as a reminder, very big on my studio wall here now, so that when I'm doing this, this podcast, when I'm doing things that I walked in the studio and I'm feeling shit or I don't feel like a good mother that day or I've let something down or whatever it is. I can look at that and be like, this person on this wall is very, very capable and very strong and is dealt with lots of traumas and draw and, and is emotional and she's a queen. And this is why I think it's so important that we also print photos and that they're up so that we can look at them because I wouldn't have that opportunity if that picture was just digitally on my computer. I wouldn't go searching for it. So every time I look at it, it means a lot to me to see that. And then on top of it, when I have clients coming of all different sizes, they can look at that and see that I'm beautiful with my roles and with my things showing. And, and that, that again, I'm, I'm doing the, doing the thing, not just talking the talk. So, so that one just means, I feel like that like encompasses like that entire, like, you're like, if it does this, this, and this, I just want one. And I'm like, I think it, did all of them. So <laughs> I, I think I need to, to change the or to and like connection, healing, <laughs> disruption, challenge and change. Cause that usually is, is the case, but that thank you so much for sharing. The picture is such a powerful picture. I love it. I commented on it right away. I was like, yeah. it's, it's, it is power. Like that's, I think that's the, the best word to describe it. It's such a powerful presence. And thank you for telling us the story behind it. And Thank you for your time today. And I knew this would be an amazing discussion and my mind is already going in 15 different directions as to, you know, all the things we talked about. But thank you, Shannon, so much for sharing your story and your perspective with us today. Thank you for having me here and sharing your perspective and connecting with you. It's, you're just such a wonderful person and it's, you're so gifted at, at the way that you nurture and talk to people as well. So this is an incredible honor. Thank you. As always, I thank you for being a part of Stories Within Us. I invite you to share this work, text an episode to a friend, rate it, leave a review, share it with others on your social media site. Help amplify the stories shared. 
Remember to tag Stories Within Us when you post. It's at Stories Within Us on Twitter and at Stories Within Us Podcast on Instagram. The design for Stories Within Us was created by Dr. Milena Rejikowska and Chris Shattuck of Two Hot Soups Consulting. Post-production and sound editing is done by East Coast Studios. Thank you once again for listening. And here's to creating change within us and change around us one story at a time.